Before beginning, let's cover a few housekeeping items. Firstly, the show is for informational purposes only. Secondly, the show is made for people with little to no understanding of Bitcoin. The information included are directionally accurate generalizations. Our goal is to simplify as much as possible. And lastly, if you're more of a visual learner, head over to our YouTube channel, also called Weights and Measures. You can find a link in the show notes of each episode. Welcome to the Weights and Measures podcast. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm John Gall. And I'm Alexi. And we are here for the why. Why Why Bitcoin? Why Bitcoin? Is that your first question? Is right off the bat? Yeah. All right, so why Bitcoin? Again, there's about 25 five or 26, I lose track. It's hard to keep up with how many other cryptocurrencies there are. I think there's 26,000 and oh. there's new ones made every day because they're really easy and cheap to make. You just make a couple clicks and here's my new cryptocurrency. And they all say, I'm better than Bitcoin for this reason. I'm better for Bitcoin than for, for that reason. They all and they all up. have a marketing team They all have, they have a CEO. That's right. That's right. And they have big backing. Some of them have a bunch of, um, money from investors where they and celebrities and celebrities they get celebrity endorsements they get you know kim kardashian and floyd mayweather and all these big names to endorse their cryptocurrency and say we're the new big thing we're the new big better than bitcoin that's right but and bitcoin doesn't do that bitcoin doesn't have a marketing team there is no company yeah so bitcoin kind of just keeps doing its thing while it, everyone's out there buying yeah, everyone's out there looking <laughs> for the, everyone's yeah, everyone's <laughs> out there looking for the next Bitcoin. They think that they're late to Bitcoin. They see they see, oh, Bitcoin's worth, you know, whatever it is, twenty five thousand dollars. But this coin over here is worth one penny. And if, I can buy a hundred of them. Exactly. So I'm gonna go buy this other one and hope that it, it's if it's the next Bitcoin, I'll be rich forever, right? And that's what everyone kinda has these delusions thinking that and, and they're kinda that missing. there is the next Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. Bitcoiners like to say you can't reinvent the wheel. Like Bitcoin is, there's, there is no more, it's the apex, it's the ultimate. And it's not just our opinion. It's, again, we went over the properties of money. We went over why Bitcoin is unique compared to all the other cryptocurrencies is that a lot of times they, they call it the immaculate conception. Like Bitcoin was, it spawned, it was created. The individual that made it disappeared and has, hasn't been heard from since. They have, even if they did come back, they wouldn't have any control over Bitcoin any more than you and I do. It's a community-driven thing that no one can change or tweak, not even the creator. There is no person or thing that can change this thing. And that's what makes Bitcoin unique. And that's where it's logical to think that sensible people are going to want to store their savings in the thing that can't be tweaked and changed arbitrarily. By and that a- the U.S. government, as we talked about previously, deems it a commodity. That's right. So, and not a security. Yeah, it just kind of, you have to just assume that humans love to tweak stuff and change stuff and, and come up with reasons to print more money well, and for to, themselves. So that way they reap the benefits ultimately. It, it's beneficial for the person minting their own money, yes. Exactly, <laughs> you yes. can come up with all kinds of reasons. But not the guy who's buying. Yeah, well, not the people who are saving, who are trying to like have their hard-earned wealth stored over time. And hopefully not. And not have it be diluted underneath, yes. you know, while they sleep at night because someone could just wake up tomorrow and say well we just printed we just times two exactly right so it's logical to think that the most money is going to flock to one money and if history is any lesson it's that money monopolizes meaning 
everyone chooses one money to store their money in, which, which reinforces itself so that more people choose that money. It kind of creates a feedback loop of yeah. more people. That's why gold was the dominant money for 5,000 years. And because and not, people kept buying it. Right. And it was the one that they knew was the scarcest thing. So you just want to store your money in the safest, scarcest thing. And that's now Bitcoin. So why, why Bitcoin? That pretty much covers it for all the other cryptocurrencies. And then the next question is, its other opponent would be government money, aka fiat money. Um, some people call them political currency units. Basically just units of money that the government controls. Um, the Federal Reserve can wake up tomorrow and change the amount of units in circulation. Try to find out how many dollars exist in the world. You can't. Trying to find out how many Bitcoin exist in the world. We know exactly down to the last Satoshi how many Bitcoin are in circulation. Do you just Google that information? Or how um, do you... The, the Bitcoin one? Yes, the Bitcoin one. So there's, since it's a computer network payment, it's a, since it's a computer monetary network, you can tap into it and verify yourself how many Bitcoin are in circulation. And you don't trust anyone. This is you doing it individually. You're not trusting anyone you can do this at any time, 24-7, yeah. 365. You're walking up to the computer and, and saying, Mr. And computer, how many Bitcoin are there? That's right. Basically what you're doing. That's right. Straight and every computer cross-references itself against the millions of other computers. So if someone's lying, trying to say, oh, there's, I actually have 10 Bitcoin, you're trying to lie. Every other computer on the network saying, no, you don't. You don't have that. You can't lie and cheat on this thing because every other computer is cross-referencing one another simultaneously that's the software working and no one can change the software we will know if someone's trying to cheat or lie because everyone's verifying the authenticity of these bitcoins and who owns what it's yeah. like a ledger and you can't really do that with sorry to interrupt with the other cryptocurrencies you or can, even the dollar right so the, the tricky thing is people think that you can do it with the other cryptocurrencies and there's an illusion that you can but you can't trust the numbers. because the, the second biggest cryptocurrency, Ethereum, we know who the CEO is. His name is Vitalik Buterin. He can he can wake up tomorrow and change the amount of... He, he can come up with a reason. Say, we're going to actually add more Ethereum or we're going to take Ethereum away. And the point is that there shouldn't be one or two or ten people deciding... For the rest of for us. For the rest of us. With Bitcoin, it's just there is no one that can change this amount. No matter what justification people come up with for more Bitcoins, it doesn't matter. You're not going to dilute the value of our savings for any reason. And with the other cryptocurrencies, there can be. They, they can make the choice to tweak the supply. So to kind of switch gears a little bit, you, you mentioned at the end of the previous episode that China was attempting to ban Bitcoin, but they have to keep rebanning it. So why would countries try to ban Bitcoin? Yeah, this is a this is a fun one. So why ban Bitcoin? Why ban Bitcoin? Yeah, simply because governments like to have control over the money supply. We're not anti-government. Just nope. heads up. That's right. We're neutral. We are fans of law and order. We are just not fans We're of... We're in the middle of everything. Yeah, that's right. We are. I just want to live in peace. We want to live in peace and have a money that can't be devalued. We would like to have 
we would like to go purchasing to power purchasing power is great. Yeah, and, and have a savings account that isn't going to just dissolve. How can you plan 20 years down the line if you don't know what your money is going to be worth? If you don't know if your parents are even going to get a 401k. That's right. So everyone's pension funds and 401ks and, and social security, there is no promise or guarantee that that's going to be worth anything when you get it. Like you might be handed $100,000 or a million dollars 20 years from now. But what if a loaf of bread is $500? You're, you're, it's all about purchase power. It's not about the number of units. So you might get the nominal amount, the number. It's, but that it, you're it's, supposed to. Yeah, that's the big thing. And, and with So America's debt is at $32 trillion and counting, rapidly expanding more and more every single year, no matter who is in charge. Like the size of the universe. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> doesn't matter who is in the, the Oval Office, whether yeah. they're Republican or Democrat. The debt has expanded so much and it's happening faster and faster that it should make everyone concerned with what is your retirement fund going to be? Are you are you going to get handed dollars that aren't worth much? I mean, and it's a, it's a dreadful thing to even think about. Most people are, are, it's uncomfortable to even think about such a thing. And the Bitcoiners are people who simply looked at history and said, wow, this is what governments have done all the way back to the Romans and the Greeks. They end up printing too much money for any reason, whether it's to fund a war or to give out free healthcare or to give free education or whatever. There's all these reasons to print money. Governments come up with them. They're really good at coming up with these reasons, and they print money. Which is a silent tax. It's a stealth tax, exactly. Because you, people don't know that you're being diluted. Because when you add money into the circulation, it's lowering the value of each individual unit. And this is like a really insidious, hard-to-see thing. And governments have done it for thousands of years. This has been a repeat story where people forget, and then they repeat the same exact lesson over history where the governments print too much money and then the money becomes worthless and then you have to say okay sorry let's do this again here's a new money we're, we're going to be better this time what, the average length of a fiat currency is 27 years that's the average length of a government fiat currency and how many years are we in america that's a kind of a loaded question but the because there's been different iterations so in 1971 we left the gold standard. We left the gold standard, exactly. So the United States dollar hasn't been backed by anything since 1971. It's just there is nothing backing it. Some people call it the petrodollar. It's backed by oil. If you ask Paul Krugman, the famous, United, uh, the famous economist who writes for the New York Times often, they asked him what the dollar is backed by, and he said men with guns. Okay. Meaning our military is I was, the biggest. I was going to joke and say wars, but that's well, yeah, it's eloquently just, put. Yeah. yeah, it's just we're the safest bet because people all around the world just want to store their money in something that's safe. So you just choose the biggest military. It's a pretty logical thing to do Yeah. if you don't have access to anything better. You're still trusting America. You're still trusting our politicians to not debase your savings, um, which we are on the hook for a lot more. I mean, again, we're $32 trillion in debt, but if you tally up how much promises we've made to people, just look at Social Security and Medicare. These are promises in the future that our government has promised to people decades from now. It's over $170 trillion worth of promises. Are we going to pay that to people? These numbers are, the human mind can't comprehend how big these numbers are. They're kind of just numbers on a screen. 
but it yeah. should make you wonder what is that going to do to the value of the dollar like what's how much dollars does, does money grow on trees can we print this infinitely what's going on so yeah and honestly a, a lot of people for just what you just said about social security maybe not existing a lot of people that i've spoken to they will just look at that statement and just say oh no the government's going to make sure that, that you're taken care of when you're older yeah they wouldn't do that to us they wouldn't do that to us and that's been the large amount of people that i've spoken to in my life because i'm on the younger end of the working class mm -hmm. and the, and the older guys just kind of look at me and laugh both men and women they yeah. just laugh and say no absolutely not they're like it's still going to be there right. for you right while i'm looking at my paycheck and wondering is it really and it wasn't until i started diving into exactly how much debt we are in as a country that it became more real that um, I don't think these people quite grasp what's going on. And yeah. it's not their fault because they are from the generation that was able to buy homes off of a, off of a the system minimum was good wage to them. income. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I think us on the tail end, it's definitely the odds are stacked against us in more ways than just one. Like, I remember being in middle school and I used to watch the news every single morning. I don't know why, but <laughs> I have this vivid memory of they showed like the New York Stock Exchange and mm -hmm. all these you know things that I don't even really know what it was but I remember the guy on the news was saying nope they like the US debt is blah 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 today and then one week he was saying oh we're going to hit one trillion dollars soon and I remember being a kid quick interruption here to make an edit we just said one trillion in regards to the US national debt we meant to say 10 trillion and just wondering <laughs> How am I or is any one of us ever going to pay off $1 trillion? And I had to look up in my math book to figure out how many zeros was in a trillion. <laughs> and I just remember being so stressed out by that thought that I stopped watching the news in the mornings. Sad. Yeah. So it was $1 trillion then. It's now at 32 Yeah. I, mean, I, I, remember... I honestly didn't even know that. I haven't looked. I've been too scared yeah. to look. It's. In, I remember in 2020, it was around. It was around 28 trillion. So just yeah. in a couple of years, we've four trillion. We've we've done four Which trillion. Which is crazy to think that up until I was in middle school, it had just hit one trillion. Right. So it's, and that was after how many years? Exactly a hundred. That's or so. kind of scary. It's been, it's been ramping up. So in a decade, rapidly. it hit. Yeah. It went times 32 basically. Right. Right. In regards to Social Security, the official budgeting office of the United States is saying that it's going to be broke in 10 years. That is... That's official. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's the official account of the budget <laughs> office of the United States government is saying in 10 years, this thing is going to not have enough money yeah, to pay out to people. Which makes me worried about people that are retiring today or tomorrow. It's, a, it's an awful, awful thing to even think about, yes. To bring it back to Bitcoin, it's not just this speculative gamble. Um, that's what everyone kind of sees it as it's it's actually a life raft it's why and then that was my next question is why save in bitcoin you know in a perfect world we wouldn't have to be speculative gamblers we wouldn't <laughs> have to be making this bet but in a perfect world we wouldn't have our savings being debased retirement age increased and retirement age increase health of overall population decreased it's forcing people to look for alternatives and that is why so bitcoin was born during the the 2008 
financial crisis. Bitcoin was born out of that. And it was a nod to basically the recklessness of governments with their currencies. Like, you can come up with reasons and, and moral justifications for printing money, but the unintended consequences of it down the line are you you steal the savings of, of, your, population. of your population. And it's a dreadful, dreadful situation. But it's either that or just complete... So that's the thing is they always What's say the alternative? they always say well if we didn't print the money it would have been worse and that's kind of a cop out if you, the, the there's a lot of economists who in times in history when we, you didn't have the ability to do that the recovery is quick cuz you just kind of get rid of the problems and people start again i mean human prosperity and human progress marches on yeah. you don't need these I mean, when gold was, again, we had the gold standard for 5,000 years where countries had to use gold. You didn't have a central bank printing money saying, oh, if we didn't do this, we would be way worse off. You just had humans buying kind and selling. Kind of self-managing. It was self-managing. Which is much like Bitcoin. It's... That So Bitcoin isn't this new crazy thing. It's actually restoring us to what humans have done the majority of our existence, which was yeah. use a, a hard money that can't be printed by a government. So it's like um, electronic gold. It's e-gold, that's right. Electronic gold, digi-gold. There's all kinds of fun names. But And just because it's called Bitcoin, people get caught up on, on the semantics of it all. It's just, it's just information that is scarce. It's the first time in human history that there's a digital thing that can't be replicated and, and, du- and, and duplicated infinitely. Before Bitcoin, there was you could copy and paste anything infinitely. You could. There was no such thing as digital scarce items. It didn't really exist um, before before Bitcoin. So for why Bitcoin? The, there's all those reasons we just listed, and then the next, the last thing I'll, I'll I'll hit on is censorship resistance, which right now the United States dollar has, and the U.S. government has a payment system called SWIFT. It's an acronym. I can't remember what it stands for, but. SWIFT is what the rest of the world uses to facilitate trade. So if you're in Japan and you're buying oil from Saudi Arabia, you use dollars on the SWIFT payment system. Okay, um, I just looked it up. So it stands for Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications Network. Okay, so that's what SWIFT stands for. Yes. That's what the whole world, most of the world uses to, to do trade with one another. The problem that's been happening recently is that we've been doing what's called weaponizing the dollar. We are weaponizing the SWIFT payment system, which means rather than attack you or punish you... So by, by we, you mean Americans? The UN, United or, States government. Okay, they, whoever's, okay. in, whoever's in power can decide who can gain access to the SWIFT payment system. So if you do something we don't like, like let's say invade a country or you stop selling or you raise the price on oil or anything that America deems we don't like it, we can just say you're no longer allowed to transact on the SWIFT. You can't sit with us. You can't sit with us anymore. You have to go sit over there in the other corner. And the other corner has no way to really do international trade. It's much more challenging. You have to trust less than ideal countries. It's kind of just, it really screws countries up. And have they done this with other 
Like, didn't this happen in the United States where arms and gun manufacturers got kicked off? Yeah, so the, the, the SWIFT payment system is an international one, and that's where we can decide which countries get access to facilitate trade, and, and we can do sanctions. We can issue tax, more taxes on you if we don't like you, oh. which we're doing more and more. Yeah. Um, Wait, countries, we are currently doing more and more? Yeah. Okay. Like, for instance, uh, Russia, we kicked Russia off the SWIFT payment system the second they invaded Ukraine. Um, and there's many other examples of us doing that to countries. That was just the most recent one. But then, yeah, the, the thing you just mentioned here in the United States, there was something called Operation Choke Point, which was our government basically telling all the banks and payment processing companies like Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Venmo, that they can't give banking access to certain industries that they didn't like. And there was a handful of them, like weapons manufacturers, ammunition manufacturers, people who made guns, marijuana industries, um, adult work, adult film. There was, and there's a handful more that they basically said, hey, you guys can't bank with these people. And the problem, you know, you could come up with... They tried to make sex work bad. Yeah, that's right. They said no bankers for the, no banking access to these... Interesting, but to the oldest job in the world <laughs> yeah that's right and you can come up with reasons yeah. you know justifications or, or morals ethical reasons to not yes. give but the point is you're just picking and choosing who can use banks yeah and who can't like let's what say, if they wake up and they say hey or a new president is voted in and he has different views than the previous one imagine if a different yeah. person came in and he said i'm not going to let planned parenthood have banking access i mean so you can start to see where yeah. It can get reversed on you. And now we're just letting politicians decide who can bank and who can't. Yeah. And the Bitcoiners are, and let's say the humanitarians, are under the impression that everyone, it's a human right. Everyone yeah. should have banking access. We shouldn't have... Regardless if I agree with what line of work you're e in or exactly, not. You sh exactly right. Yeah. So I can be deeply passionate against doctors or hospitals. But yeah. They, res you know, they should be able to bank. Right. Right, that's right. And we shouldn't, it just shouldn't be up to human discretion to basically choose who can do it. So Bitcoin was made to be censorship resistant, meaning you can't decide, you can't tell me who I can and can't send Bitcoin to. I could send Bitcoin right now to someone in Iran or in North Korea or in Uganda or in Iceland, and I can do it without, I don't need to ask for permission from anyone. And that is going to become more valuable as people realize um, that this thing can't be yeah. it's censorship resistant. The other crazy example that's worth pointing out was the Canadian truckers. So during COVID, there was this huge fiasco. The trucker strike. The trucker strike. It was a protest a, where a bunch of the Canadian truckers and population of Canada drove to the capital protesting the COVID lockdowns. Whether you, I, and I'm not saying I agree with them or not, right? I'm just pointing out that the Canadian government retroactively went and found people who attended it and froze their bank accounts. And they monitored who supported, who sent money to the, to the truckers and supported them. They froze their bank accounts as well. And this highlights that just because these people were doing a peaceful protest, I mean, they were honking in the middle of the night, they were honking loudly. That's, yeah. They weren't doing any there violence. There were no houses in sight. There weren't. They were in the city. I mean, it was oh, okay. definitely disruptive, but they weren't burning buildings down. They weren't Smashing breaking windows. windows. They were honking and barbecuing in the street and playing hockey. It was in the middle of winter. So they, it, was, it was a 
peaceful protest. I don't think that's an extreme thing to say. And the government literally said, we're going to freeze all your yeah, bank not accounts. Not only you, but those that supported you. Those that you. supported you, yeah. So let's let's flip it because you may, you, maybe you hated the truckers. Maybe you loved the lockdowns. Okay, that's fair. Let's reverse it though and say it was something that you you didn't like or that you and you wanted to protest a war overseas or any come up with any example and you wanted to go protest something that your government was doing which we should yeah, all or be say if like you wanted to send money to Ukraine and the government woke up tomorrow and said that's right we don't like that that's right so now they freeze they could freeze your bank account with with bitcoin uh, the big why of bitcoin is that you don't have this problem all the, in, anymore you just have people who can transact. Yes, privately. With, privately, without anyone telling them. It's the same as meeting someone on OfferUp. Or and handing Craigslist them cash. And handing, yes. That's right. You can't get your money back once you leave the parking lot. That's right. That's right. And then the big last point I'll make is with and governments are all announcing across the world. They're all, all doing these what are called pilot programs. They're testing the next iteration of money. They're going to move to what everyone refers to it as a CBDC which stands for a centrally banked digital currency. It's basically the government's version of Bitcoin, but it's one they have control over. They can monitor and they can decide who yeah. has what money. And this sounds, maybe that's what people are comfortable with because they trust, it's just what we're comfortable with. It's what yeah. we've all lived under. and we under. trust the government. Yes. We think they're great. But let's say the government suddenly says, I mean, they can come up with anything, mm -hmm. any reason. You have brown hair. And say, we don't like people with brown hair anymore or we don't like people going to Planned Parenthood, or we don't like people who make guns. And if you bought a gun in the last year, we're gonna freeze your account and we have complete control over this. It, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to see how that can become yeah. weaponized against a population. Because just because there's someone in the Oval Office today that you like, it doesn't mean that tomorrow will be the same. That's right, thing. and that's what we need to build. We and need be to think We need to in think past just the present moment. Past exactly. four years. Exactly. Yeah. So Bitcoiners and the community of Bitcoin are saying we are watching the banking system and the dollar be weaponized against people at an increasing rate. We've watched it happen for decades now. And it's, hist and it's history just repeating itself. Exactly. Again. With censorship and with the debasement and inflation, all those things are happening just as they've happened before. For hundreds and for thousands of years. Exactly. So this is not brand new. No. It's the, new to us because... We're living in it. Yes. And Bitcoin is invented to put a stop to this process and it's saying, okay, here's this new neutral money that can't be devalued. It can't be inflated away and it can't be censored and stopped. It's just this neutral money that lives online that no one can control and no one can stop. And that's inherently a good thing because humans should have the ability to save money reliably so they can protect themselves from randomness, emergencies. You should be able to plan for the future. Buy a house. Buy a house, maybe. If yeah. that's what you want. All these things are, are, are inherent good things, I would argue. I don't think it's extreme to say that that is a, a good thing. So there's our why. There's our why episode. I think next I week will be... I hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah. Next we'll be going over the who. Who made yes. Bitcoin, all that fun stuff. All right, thank you for tuning in.